Do you have questions about the unknown that have never been answered? Tired of going to psychics and wishing you could develop your own intuition? Then Messages from the Other Side podcast is the answer. Weekly episodes feature psychic medium Simone Salmon, combining her gifts of storytelling and mediumship to narrate real communications with ghosts or angels and interviews with spiritual truth seekers to get the answers you need. So subscribe on Apple Podcast and Anchor FM or go to www.simonesalmon.com. I'm psychic medium Simone and you're listening to Messages from the Other Side. Today on our show, we'll be listening in as I have a conversation with David G. about meditation. Like most people, you know, the deeper and deeper that I dove into the corporate world, the less and less and less those things either were relevant or I convinced myself I didn't have time for them. And um, it was really only from a place of total out-of-balanceness um, and pain, emotional pain, that, uh, that I then reached, uh, in, you know, to go deeper into the realm of spirit and of source. And the funny thing is, you know, they say that, uh, you know, religion is for people who don't want to go to hell and spirituality is for people who've already been there. So, um, <laughs> that's, uh, I, I found that pain is an amazing motivator to get people uh, off the couch uh, to make powerful shifts in their lives. So whatever, you know, whatever, whatever tool gets you there, that's, uh, that's yeah. great. And for me, I think it really was um, the pain of looking around at all the things in my life, seeing lots of imbalance and uh, really asking, you know, deeper questions like, well, what am I doing here? Why am I here? And it was actually in the wake of 9-11 that I was walking in uh, lower Manhattan past a row of cardboard boxes that people were living in and a hand reached out, grabbed my pant leg, and his face peered up at me and said, what's going to be on your tombstone? And that was probably my most profound aha mo- you know, moment to, uh, you know, it's a fairly reflective question, what's going to be on your tombstone? And uh, at that point, I was looking around, and I couldn't really find um, value or relevance or purpose or meaning. And so I began my, uh, my journey. Wonderful. Okay, okay. Let's delve into meditation and the benefits of meditation because there's so many different types of benefits. When I first started meditating years and years ago, I was actually doing gong meditation and it was fantastic. I was able to manifest a whole lot of things, but also I was able to control my high blood pressure, which I which somehow started after the birth of my second child. Mm-hmm. Of course, I then let go of my meditation practice, and <laughs> everything went, you know, haywire. But I'm back again. So let's talk about the wonderful benefits of meditation. First, the physiological benefits. What are some of the physiological benefits of meditation? Well, um, the major physiological benefits, which people have been talking about for uh, probably close to 50 years, um, are that when, when you meditate, you, one of the first things that happens 
is that your breathing slows. And as your breathing slows, so does your pulse slow. And as your breathing and your pulse slows, you experience um, a state of consciousness known as restful awareness, which is distinctly different from our waking state, and it's distinctly different from our sleeping state or our dream state, and it's very different from our other biological responses like fight-flight response or our emotional response. And so it's, it's like the third gear that all people who are willing to meditate um, have access to. Everyone can tap into it. Everyone can, can reach that state of restful awareness. And uh, as your breathing slows and as your pulse slows, your stress hormones, glucagon, adrenaline, cortisol, they all suppress. And your growth hormone, which develops all your cells, your sex hormone, which uh, helps all of your reproductive tissues, and really most importantly, your immune system, they all elevate. And when we are in reactive mode, when we're angry at someone, when we're having an argument, when we're doing something that's pushing us, you know, out of balance or someone's pushing our button, that's when the fight, flight, um, physiological aspects surge into us. And so we notice that, you know, even if someone just cuts you off on the road, suddenly there's this surge into you. You start to perspire, glucagon, adrenaline, cortisol, they all start kicking in. And so those who meditate um, pretty much have this halo effect that allows all of that to suppress itself. Okay, okay. And how long do you have to be meditating to get to that awareness? Ah, the billion-dollar question. Well, uh, most people are, are uh, when I, you know, before I start every meditation class, I ask what the level of experience is. And having taught, you know, literally um, thousands of meditation classes over the years, uh, the answers always come back, you know, in pretty much in the same way. And so most people are crisis meditators. Most people do not have a daily practice like they do with brushing their teeth. And that's really where the, I'd like to use that just as a, as a simple analogy, um, the concept of, of teeth brushing, because it's something that we do pretty much every single day, and we have since we were, say, I don't know, five years old. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you look at um, your life and you say, well, you know, I wake up every single morning and I go through these 8 to 15 morning ablution rituals, you know, we pee, we poop, we shower, we brush our teeth, we do some with our hair, do some with makeup, there's food, there's uh, pets, there's kids, there's TV, there's emails, there's internet surfing, there's a newspaper, you know, all that stuff. We've ritualized it. You know, we've put it on into our sort of... Um, auto response, we wake up and then we just move through all of those events. And so I suggest that people, you know, meditate, whether it's for two minutes or for ideally 30 minutes twice a day, which sounds daunting at first. So I suggest to people, well, you know, just meditate for a few minutes, but as soon as you wake up. And so that's why I coined this phrase RPM, rise, pee, meditate. And if you can have just a little bit of stillness and silence within you, within moments of you opening your eyes, then that will carry through the entire rest of the day. 
And the catch is you have to wake up the next day and do it as well. It, it doesn't, uh, just because I meditated last week, doesn't mean I'll experience the benefits right now. But there is a halo effect, and they do stay with you throughout the day. So I suggest to everyone, and, you know, we can, we can of course, do, you know, my, um, a couple of these different types of meditations, because I believe anyone can meditate anywhere. And some of us like uh, to use sound, like you used with your gong meditation. Some of us use visuals. Some of us use mantras. Some of us use our breath. Some of us even use chocolate-tasting meditation. So the world is fully available for us to meditate. We just have to be willing to, like, wake up and show up and do it. Okay, so you touched on uh, something that I wanted to ask you. What are the different types of meditation? Now, you said there's chocolate meditation. I know that there is dynamic and static meditation. Now you're going into chocolate meditation. So, obviously, there is a variety of types of meditation. I mean, how do you decide what to, you know, which one works best for you? I mean, do you have to go through a series, or do you include, you know, integrate multiple types into one or more than one session per day? Um, That's a great question, Simone. And, And we have to find the technique that resonates with us, that we're willing to show up and do. So for just, you know, use your example. You know, there was this period of time where you were really enjoying the gong meditation. Mm-hmm. And you were finding value in that. You were experiencing the benefits of that. And, uh, you know, then stuff got in the way, and then you got involved in something else, and, you know, suddenly, where was that gong meditation? It was gone. But clearly, yes. you resonated with that one. So even if I held all these little pieces of chocolate in front of you and I said, let's meditate, uh, that might not be, you know, you might eat all the chocolate, but you might not necessarily find that to be a meditation tool. And so, um, and that's really why I wrote Secrets of Meditation, so that people could get access. Because in there, it's, you know, there's lots of schools of meditation. There's thousands of types of meditation. And many of those schools say, no, 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 this is the right way. That is the right way. And I believe whatever works, if you can wake up and find uh, a tool that can bring you into the present moment under any circumstances, then that's the one you should gravitate to. So I believe it really comes from deep in the heart. On davidg.com, I have a, a resource page set up so people can try a visual meditation, a sound meditation, uh, instructions for how to breathe, breathing meditation, various mantras for mantra uh, meditation. But why don't we do this, uh, this exercise? I call it 16 seconds to bliss. And this will allow us um, to just for those out there who may be, you know, not sure of their meditation technique, we all breathe. All of us, every single being on the planet, breathes. In fact, if we go more than four minutes, uh, we die. So breathing is very, very important. We never want to deny ourselves that. So we have within us, in any moment, a special meditation tool. So I'd like to, uh, you know, invite everyone, including yourself, to right now conjure up in your mind some issue that you've been grappling with, some disturbance or some challenge or something or some person that's been annoying you. And sort of like see it in your mind's eye. See that constriction, see the irritation, or whatever it's making you feel. And once you've sort of like got it there, and for some people it may have been instant. It was like, oh, it's hard. Uh, and for other people, they're, they're having a pretty good day, so they're like, wait, everything's really rosy. I'm looking at miracles all day. What, what do you mean? <laughs> but we all have something, uh, an unmet need, 
you know, we, we have those, uh, those four needs of life. I call them the four A's. And they're attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. Attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance. And typically when one of those needs is not getting met over the course of the day, that's when we really have like an irritation or a constriction. But if we can bring our attention to that right now, and then close our eyes, and then through our nose, take a long, slow, deep breath into the count of four and feel that breath. Actually feel it come into your nostrils, into your throat, into your chest. Feel it go down deep into your belly. That was about four seconds. And now let's just witness it. Let's just observe that breath in your belly to the count of four, three, two, one. And now effortlessly keep witnessing and watch your breath rise out of your belly, into your chest, into your throat, into your sinuses, and watch it as it moves again out of your nostril. And then hold that out to the count of four, three, two, one. And now breathe normally and open your eyes. And that was 16 seconds. And in those 16 seconds, you were fully present. And everyone, if they were playing along, was fully present. None of us were thinking about that irritation or that constriction or that issue in our lives. It was still there. We brought it into our awareness, but then we drifted our awareness to our breath. Only 16 seconds. And that's why I call it 16 seconds to bliss, because that can be the foundation of anyone's meditation practice. And I would have to just assume everyone, including you and me, we were not thinking about anything other than witnessing our breath. And that, that is a celebration of the present moment. How does that feel? That was amazing because I actually, I actually felt my breath going all the way into my belly, and I felt when it rolled from my belly and went back up and through my nostrils. And that I think was the first time that I actually watched my breath in and out. Look at that! All right, Simone, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing to me. Now, let me ask you this. If if you can do that 16 seconds, is that the way that, I mean, would you do that consistently for 30 minutes? Is that what you do for 30 minutes to actually get to that state of awareness? Well, you know, that's that's really like what I consider the starting point because everyone oh. just, we all just meditated for 16 seconds. So if you do that four times, it's a minute and four seconds. You know, if you do it 20 times, it's five minutes. And that's what I suggest to people. Just just start that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. probably you will have some of the most powerful present moment moments that you've ever had in your life. And then I would say, well, if you found that okay, add a minute each week. You know, just a minute. Just add one minute. So once you're, like, into that, um, and, yes, that's, that's called four-part breathing. And realistically, for many people, that is their meditation technique. You could just as easily breathe in, breathe out. And we'll, we'll, we'll do another breath meditation a little later. But, but I really see that as like when you dip your toe in the water and say, oh, I've never been able to meditate. I need a mantra or I need a teacher or I need a guru or I need a guide. How about starting with your own breath? And start with yeah. 16 seconds and see what that feels like. And I know, Simone, the second, you know, this is over, 
I know you're going to like practice it and go, wow, that was pretty cool. I am. <laughs> Which does it feel like if I do it four times in a row? Um, and really, I am. We'll be right back after the break. <laughs> the key to all meditation is that we have 60,000 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's a thought coming in every 1.2 seconds. And so thoughts are constantly swirling in our head. Of course, the reality is, you know, 90% of those thoughts were the same ones we had yesterday. But, um, you know, as we suddenly realize, it's like, oh, you know what? My head is potentially swirling, but that's only because I'm putting my attention on it. If I could put my attention just for a few minutes in some place else that wasn't generating thought, then I could actually disconnect from that nonstop onslaught of thoughts. And all those thoughts are filled with stresses and anxieties and regrets and all the other stuff that's going on in our life. But this is our pattern interrupt. And so anyone can do it. You, I do it sometimes if I'm, if I'm waiting on a line and suddenly the line seems like it's never going to get there. You know, no one knows I'm meditating. And I'll just stop. And I'll do 16 seconds to bliss. And if the line's still not moving... I'll just keep going with that for a little bit. And so I use that as a real great connection tool. And a lot of people say, well, does meditation push you away, take you out of the moment? And I refer to this type of technique as really not taking a time out, but taking a time in. Mm, yes. Yes. I, I'm just, I'm still astonished at the fact that I was looking at my breath. Right. That, that was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that was wonderful. Um, let me ask you, when, you know, you mentioned thoughts and that we have all you know, millions of thoughts, when you're meditating and your thoughts drift in to your meditation, how do you uh, bypass the thought? Or, I mean, do you just recognize it and then go back to your breathing? What do you do to get the thought pushed out of, your awareness so that you're focused again on the breathing. This is a really important uh, issue because so many people stop meditating because things are going great for them. Their meditation practice is really thriving. And then they say, oh, but I'm still having thoughts. You will have thoughts until the moment you leave this earth plane. Hopefully you have them afterwards, but who knows? But if you don't have thoughts, it means you're flatlining. And if you have thoughts, it means you're alive. So this is one of those classic moments that rather looking at thoughts as distractions, we can view them as just part of the meditation. So let's view our thoughts like clouds. Allow them to drift in. Allow them to drift out. You be unconcerned. And of course, you know, what's going to happen is at some point, because we're human, we'll be meditating and we'll get wrapped up in a thought and we'll start thinking about something and... Suddenly that leads to another thought, and then another thought, and then another thought. And before we know it, we're so far away from the meditation. We're so deep into our thoughts. And uh, I believe that don't scold yourself at that point. Acknowledge, isn't that great? You're human, and you're alive. And now it's time to gently drift back to the mantra, or to your breath, or whatever the object of your attention is. And that's why... In any meditation, there needs to be an object of our attention. Because as soon as we find ourselves in thought, we drift right back to it. And meditation is this gentle drifting back and forth between you putting your attention on the object of 
your attention. In our case before, it was just witnessing our breath. And suddenly we'll drift away into thought, and then we'll say, oh, I'm thinking about what I'm going to buy someone for Christmas. I think I'll gently drift back to my breath. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I'm thinking about what time I'm going out to dinner tonight. I think I'll gently drift back to my breath. And once you give yourself permission that rather than scolding yourself and saying, oh, I'm such a loser, you can say, oh, isn't that great? I'm having fewer and fewer of finding myself in thought, and that gentle drifting back and forth is getting more gentle and more gentle and until it's just part of the process. So I could be in meditation, and I'll hear horns honking and planes overhead and dogs barking and car alarms going off and my stomach gurgling, and I'll think about things, and those are part of the meditation. Every meditation is like a snowflake. So this one will never come again. And so they're all unique. They're all special. And as long as we honor each one of them, it sort of doesn't really even matter what goes on during the meditation because we meditate for the benefits that it gives us in our life, not for when our eyes are closed and we're breathing for two minutes. Okay. Can we talk a little bit more about benefits? Because you, you talked about the physiological. Mm-hmm. What about the spiritual or, you know, the the heightened awareness kind of um, benefit where you, you're getting into a different state, a different frequency, and now you're in touch mm-hmm. with spirit and you, you are actually able to connect with that energy. How, how yeah. does that work and what are the benefits of that? Yeah, well, I think there are actually three realms um, that we experience. The physical realm, and we know that meditation, you know, we know what meditation does for us, for our physiology. There's also an emotional realm. In Sanskrit, we refer to this as like the subtle realm. And it's in this realm that we um, have all of our reactions to life. And we develop our ego. And we um, judge ourselves and judge others. Uh, as Tom Robbins, the author of Jitterbug Perfume, says, there's two mantras in life, yum and yuck. And it's in that <laughs> subtle realm that we are judging and assessing yum, yuck, yum, yuck, yum, yuck, every single moment. And so meditation allows us to not be so invested in that moment, but to see the world truly as a much larger process. Emotionally, if we meditate, we become a little bit more uh, accepting. We become a little bit less defensive. We become definitely less reactive because what we, what we connect to when we meditate is this unconditioned space. And most of our emotional reactions are conditioned. You know, someone says this and we respond that way. Or I've spent years cultivating this ego and someone says something about it and I must leap in and defend it. And so there's a very, very important and powerful um, emotional benefit that meditation has for us. You, uh, you know, when I teach kids in school, it creates less bullying. It creates greater camaraderie. It creates, uh, you know, more of the mindset that kindness matters. And so whether you're, you know, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're at home, whether you're out on the street, whether you're with kids, whether you're with, with adults, the, the emotional benefits of meditation are going to make you a kinder, gentler being. So I think that's a very, very big, uh, that's, a, that's a big plus. That's a big benefit. And oh, yeah. all you have to do is show up. 
you know, you don't have to say, oh, I need to work on myself, you know, I'm so harsh, or I'm so reactive. You just do it, and then let the world unfold. And then there's the third category, which is that spiritual category. Um, that's known as the causal realm. And so, um, you know, we have the physiological benefits, we have the emotional benefits, and these are all proven through modern science. Modern Western science is finally proving all this, uh, even down to the point of pain, and that's why yoga and meditation are used now in, really to help in the pain process, because we're all finally able to do an MRI of the brain and see what it's doing. We have this brain imaging uh, technological advances that are allowing us to become more understanding about really what's going on with this being. The one realm that's sort of like outside of that is the spiritual realm. Because so many of these ancient wisdom traditions, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like, well, built on faith. And so there, there are distinctly, um, and this is the fascinating part of it, there are distinctly uh, different states of consciousness. And the beauty is we can't tell what anyone else, where anyone else is. We can't guess what their state of consciousness is. We can monitor their brain waves now and say, oh, you're putting out those brain waves. You, you're putting out gamma waves. You must be in gamma state. But it's still just a guess. And so that's one of the beauties of within the spiritual realm. Meditation allows you, and it will in time actually change the physical structure of your brain. Now, they've just done some recent studies on changing the physical structure, that meditation increases the size of your hippocampus, which is the part of your brain responsible for memory, learning, spatial orientation, but it also shrinks your amygdala, the part of your brain responsible for anger, stress, and fear. And so when that is being, when your amygdala is being shrunk, and so you're a little less fearful, you're a little less angry, and your hippocampus is growing, you're a little more um, able to take everything in. Another shift happens, and they're doing scientific studies on this right now, and that you have this sense of oneness. That didn't exist inside you. In fact, they say that brains that exude gamma waves send out the message that there's more oneness, there's more union, there's more connection between all of us. So... Really, what's the spiritual journey? It's our journey from our most personal self to our most universal self, where we realize that we're one with everyone. You know, one love, yeah. it's all one. And the process of meditation connects you more deeply to the source of all things because you suddenly start to realize as you move into these higher states of consciousness, and they've actually been documented for thousands of years. So there's the waking state, there's the sleeping state, and then there's that sliver state between the two of those known as the dream state. But the fourth state of consciousness, which has been talked about, it's in the Upanishads, it's been talked about in the Bhagavad Gita, and that, that fourth state of consciousness is known as Atma Darshan, glimpsing the soul. And it's in that moment, and it's when we, we meditate. It only happens really during your meditation where you suddenly, and you're not aware of it, of course, where you suddenly like glimpse that oneness. You touch that just for a millisecond. And probably if we meditated for a few more minutes, just following our breath, doing those 16 seconds of bliss, we would start to experience that at an even more, you know, more profound or pronounced level. 
And so it's one of the most beautiful things in the world when you come out of a meditation and you say, well, I don't even know where I was. And I don't know what happened. But that felt pretty good. And then you're not aware of it. But that same state of feeling goodness has a halo effect, and that will travel with you throughout the course you know, of the rest of your day. So what we, what we want to be able to do is that when we find ourselves um, questioning, oh, I don't want to meditate today, it's been a really long day, you know, or I'm tired, or I want to watch TV, we need to know that just like brushing our teeth, that we can proactively connect ourselves to source, connect ourselves to that whole oneness vibration by waking up each day and meditating as the start of our day. Okay, okay. Thanks for listening in. Do remember to stop by so you can hear next week's episode. I look forward to hearing from you and your voice messages and your emails. Thanks again. This is Psychic Medium Simone, and you've been listening to Messages from the Other Side. 